0: Good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. I want to thank you for being here. As we begin, uh, before we kind of jump into the message, uh, we want to begin today recognizing just what's been going on in our country this week, specifically what was happening in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, On Wednesday, I was driving my kids to school. Uh, Katie's been out of town this past week, and so I don't usually do that, but I was driving my kids to school. And so We're making our way out to school, and uh, there's a bus in front of us, and so it's making frequent stops, and there's uh, this little girl that uh, was at a bus stop, and me and my daughter Mackenzie were in the front seats, and so we were just kind of noticing her. Man, she was full of joy. She had this little jean jacket on, and she's getting on the school bus, but at that moment, I could not help but think about all the families on that morning that were sending their kids to school praying that they would come home. It's not something that we normally think about. You know, we, we send our kids to school and, and we want that to be a safe place. And so I bring all that up just to let you know that that we're hurting, right? We're, we're all hurting and we're confused and we're scared and, and no more so than what's happening specifically in Uvalde with those families of, uh, of those kids and those uh, teachers that, uh, that lost their life, but then all of them that are just going to be dealing with the aftermath of that. And so we just want to pause today. Uh, I don't claim to have answers for, for why things like this happen or how we fix things like this. Here, here's what I do know. We desperately need the presence of God in our lives, and, and we need the hope that only Jesus can bring. Psalm 34, chapter, chapter 34, verse 18 tells us this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I just want you to know that, uh, that in, your, in your emotions that, that we've had this past week, that you're not alone. And one of the things that we need to be just reconciled with is the fact that God is here and that He is with us. And so this morning, I'm just going to offer a time of some silent prayer, and uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get down on my knees. You can you can take whatever posture of prayer you want, but we're going to begin today just praying for the people in Texas, praying for our country as uh, as we continue to. Uh, to get past this uh, devastating event that happened. And so I uh, want to invite you to, to take a posture of prayer, to, to bow your head, uh, take a few moments to pray on your own, and then we will pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now asking for your presence. God, we don't have answers, and we're confused and scared. We come face to face with the evils in this world, God, and we're left sometimes doubting, hurting. We pray specifically for the families in Uvalde, God, that a community would surround them and give them the love and support that they would know that they're not alone that they have a country of people that are rallying behind them god we pray for the aftermath for the for the counseling and for the therapy and just for the uh for the grieving process that needs to take place in that community god we pray that a uh a spirited revival would come out of this that uh More and more families would come to know the power of Jesus through this tragedy. God, we thank you for your presence, for the fact that we're not alone. God, we pray for your healing. We pray that as a nation that we would turn our eyes to you and that we would rely on you, God, and that we would remember those who... We lost this week. Thank you so much for Jesus. It gives us a hope to be reunited. That this world is not the end. Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. tough transition as we begin, but we are in our final week of a sermon series we've been doing called That's a Great Question. And as we've been going through this, uh, if you've been with us for any amount of time over the last month, you're aware that we're looking at these questions that Jesus asks his followers and different people and these interactions that he has. And, and we've talked about the power that these questions have as we uh, dig into just uh, what the question is trying to pull out of the uh, people involved. And so uh, we've, we've looked at these different questions, and so I uh, uh, just want to remind you that on our website, uh, you can get caught up on any of the, uh, the messages that maybe you missed, um, and so uh, if you're watching with us online today, we want to thank you for being here. Again, you can go to the Messages tab of our website and get caught up on all of the questions maybe that you missed, uh, we have also have a, on our website a section for our Momentum articles where Nathan's been tackling some of the different questions that you submitted throughout the series. And so all of that is available for you to get caught up on as we conclude this message series today. Today's question is a powerful one, and, uh, and it's a simple one, and it's one that I think that we have probably all asked at some point in our life to someone else, and the question is, do you love me? Now, this question comes from Jesus to Peter, and we're going to get into uh, just what it means exactly in a second, but... We use love here in our modern-day language. We use it for a lot of things, right? I can say that I love my wife, but I can turn around and also say that I love tacos. And uh, those things, you know, we, we don't necessarily have another word for it. It's like, I love tacos. I love NBA basketball. I love my wife. I love my kids, right? It's all the same, and what we're going to uh, get at is that uh, today, our understanding of the word love here in the English language is very limited, right? We, we have a, love has a broad, broad definition when it comes to uh, just what it is that we're trying to communicate when we say the word love. Do you love me? Now, it kind of is going to push us into our big idea today. So when we're, when we're talking about this, and specifically when we're talking about this story that we're going to look at in the New Testament where Jesus asks this question, uh, the thing that we wanna, really want you to walk away from today is this, loving Jesus means following Jesus. See, what we're going to unpack today is this idea that when we're really talking about loving Jesus, what we're going to get down to is that if you truly love him, you're going to follow him. And following him is a deeper commitment than maybe you realize. Today we're primarily going to be in John chapter 21. And so if you've got your Bible with you today and you want to uh, turn there, you can. John chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles at the Hub. We would love to get one for you, but you can pull it up on your Bible app as well. I want to set up for you kind of what's happening in the context of this, uh, this section of Scripture. Jesus has already died on the cross and been resurrected from the grave. He is now risen, and he has been interacting with his disciples here towards the end of the Gospels. Peter and his uh, buddies have uh, have gone, and they are fishing. Sound familiar? That's where Jesus first found them, okay? So they've returned to the sea, and there's a group of them, Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John and two more who are unnamed, and they've been out fishing all night, but they've caught no fish again. Sound familiar? Jesus comes to them, and he gives them some instructions about uh, how to catch more fish, and so they have this miraculous catch of fish one last time and when they come back into the shore it tells us that they gathered on the beach and they're cooking some breakfast and they're having this uh just catching up and having a conversation and so this story of uh of Peter and his friends fishing kind of bookends the gospels It's where Jesus first finds his disciples and where he calls them to be fishers of men with this miraculous catch miracle. And then after Jesus' death on the cross and even after he is resurrected, Jesus finds his disciples right back where they began. Fishing, not catching any fish, and this miracle happens where Jesus reintroduces himself to them and uh, now they're sitting on the beach sharing some time together, right? And so they're ashore and they're sitting around the campfire and they're having some fish together. And so we're gonna look at what happens next. We're going to uh, be in John chapter 21. We're gonna start with verse 15. And it says, when they had finished eating, The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, as we read this, at first, it might seem strange that Jesus asks Peter three times. Do you love me? But if we look back on Peter's life, we know that this is a callback to a different time where Peter had denied knowing Jesus three times. That Jesus had even predicted that that was going to happen. And so we've got this opportunity where Jesus is confronting Peter with this mistake that he had made. Truth is that Peter had probably lost a lot of faith in himself. He was probably in a dark place when Jesus finds him on that fishing boat. I mean, imagine Peter was was one of Jesus' closest followers. And on the night before Jesus died, he looked at Peter and he said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, I would never deny you. I would do whatever it takes to follow you. So later on, When Jesus is about to be arrested, Peter pulls out a sword and cuts a guard's ear off, right? I'm going to protect you. I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. But Jesus rebukes him and puts the ear back on the man. And Peter leaves. And then wandering through the streets as his leader had just been arrested, Peter denies knowing Jesus, even being with him, on three separate occasions just as jesus had predicted and so peter is feeling all sorts of ways and here where does jesus find him he went right back to what he knew i mean jesus had called him out of that he said, you're done fishing. I'm going to create in you the ability to fish for men. You're going to be my disciple. And you're going to, uh, you're going to win lost people. You're going to, uh, to be a tool for God. You're going to do these amazing things. I'm calling you to this great mission. I'm calling you away from this fishing. And we're going to go on a new path. And when things get tough, where do we find Peter? Right back where he started. That ever happened to you? It happens to me. God calls me out of things. He calls me out of sin. He calls me out of some of the different behaviors that I've had. Some of the things that you think that maybe you left in your past. Maybe you've tried to learn something new. Maybe you've tried to uh, venture out and start something new. But when the struggle gets real, you get frustrated and you give up. Maybe you find yourself in in a hurtful relationship You know it's not good for you. You know it's not positive. You know it's not making you your best, but you just continue to kind of fall back into it because you're alone or you're lonely and you just, you don't have anyone else. And so you just continue to fall back. Maybe you tried to make some life changes, be healthier or to break free of some addictions that you have. Sometimes when we're in those situations, we actually look for excuses I had a bad day at work today or, you know, got into a fight with somebody, got into an argument. And so it's like anything, any kind of stressor, we're like, I'm going to go back to the drink or I'm going to go back to the drugs or I'm going to go back to whatever it is, whatever your vice is, whatever the thing is, whatever it is you're trying to leave behind, we just fall back into it. Step out on faith and try to do something new, try to do something bold that God's calling you to do. But anytime time frustration comes, any time obstacles come, anytime things that they seem like that they're not quite going our way, we give up. And that's where we find Peter. So Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? And what does he mean by these? Is he talking about the other men that he was gathered with? Is he talking about All the different things that he was doing. Is he talking about fishing? We're not really sure, but but Jesus makes it clear. He says, do you love me, Peter? Peter replies all three times with the same phrase. You know I love you. And I want us to better understand this, because like I said, the word love is pretty uh, vanilla for us. We've got one word, and it means a bunch of different things. But in the, in the language in which the Bible was written primarily in the New Testament Greek, there's a bunch of different words that they use for love, and there's three primary words that they use. One of those words is the word eros, E-R-O-S. And uh, it is a combination of uh, some Greek gods that they had, Aphrodite and Eros, and we better know them as Venus and Cupid. Uh, but they are words about sensuality and sex. And, uh, and they're not. Eros is not a word uh, for love that's used in the New Testament. But it is a Greek word for love. There is another Greek word, and it is phileo. And it means friendship. And it has to do with affection or emotions. And we get words like philanthropy from it or the city of Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. And so it is a word that is used throughout Scripture. Phileo, a certain type of love, a friendship love, or an affection love. But there's another one. And it's called agapeo. We better know it now. Maybe you've heard somebody say agape love. And this is a sacrificial love. It is the noblest form of love. It is a divine word, and it speaks of the love of God and the love that Jesus has for us. It passes over words like eros or phileo and uses this word agapeo when speaking to Simon Peter. So when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? This is the word that he uses. He says, do you agapeo me? Peter, And now Peter responds back. He says, uh, you know, you know that I phileo you. Right? Isn't that interesting? Jesus asks him a pointed question. Do you have a sacrificial love for me? And Peter's response is, you know that I have an affection for for you. you ever do that? You ever change the question around in your head? You ever, you ever give an answer that's not quite what was being asked? You know, we have this affection for God. We think that God sounds nice, that grace sounds like something that we want. Uh, we want God's love. We think that it sounds good. We want to be a part of what it is that, that God's doing. We have this affection for for God that's not what he was asking he's asking what, what are you willing to give up what are you willing to sacrifice how deep is your love for me do you have a deep sacrificial love for me the kind that I displayed when I died on the cross finally the third time when Jesus asked, so the first two times Jesus says, do you agape love me? Do you have this deep sacrificial love? And both times Peter responds, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. So the final time Jesus asks him, he says, Peter, do you phileo love me what's Jesus do there he meets Peter where he is I mean it's the thing that all God calls us to this standard it, there's this there's this deep sacrifice that he wants from us when we come to live for him but we don't measure up and we can't quite do what it is that he's asking us to do and so what does Jesus do He comes and meets us exactly where we are. He closes that gap between what is expected and what we can actually live out. And grace fills in this gap. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus does. But it also pains Peter. Because he knows what he did. Peter was unable to obtain this level of that Jesus was asking from him. And so Jesus relents and comes and meets Peter where he is. There's three things that I want to point out that kind of happen in this interaction. It point out, points out Peter's uh, lack of commitment. Jesus keeps asking Peter if he has a sacrificial love for him. And Peter keeps responding that he has this affection for Jesus. And I want you to know that these are two totally different things that are being asked here. Jesus also meets Peter exactly where he's at. Finally, forming the question in a way that Peter can obtain it. And he does this for all of us. Jesus does this for each and every one of us. When we can't quite reach that level that Jesus is calling us to, he comes and he meets us where we are. This interaction is also a reminder of Peter's past failure, the time when Jesus was crucified, and that Peter needs to deal with this pain and this trauma that came from this interaction. Peter needs to deal with his baggage. And so in let a, instead of Jesus just allowing Peter to live in it, he calls him out on it. He says, let's, let, this is going to be messy. This is going to get ugly. But let's put all of our cards on the table and let's, let's hash this out right here and right now because here's the truth. Jesus had this amazing mission for Peter. Peter's going to go on to do these amazing things. Read the book of Acts and you'll see the life of Peter transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not done with Peter, but they had to get past this moment in order for Peter to experience it. He had to let go of his failures of the past and he had to be charged into a new mission that Jesus was calling him to. Loving Jesus means following Jesus. This whole conversation with Jesus is this if-then. If you love me, then do this. And so there's three different times that Peter is asked this question. And there's three different thens that Jesus gives. And the first one he says, he says, I want you to, if you love me, feed my lambs. Sometimes it's just interpreted as taking care of the flock. But what we know is that lambs are baby sheep. And so one of the calls that Peter has is to this idea of taking care of those newborns, those infants in the faith, those who are going to come. And, uh, and, and as we read through the book of Acts, we see this so much in Peter's life that he was a part of this birth. Of the Christian church as it exploded through the book of Acts. And his job was to help in bringing these babies in their faith up to maturity. Jesus says, if you love me, feed my lambs. Listen, I know that unborn, this idea of the unborn and, and abortion and, uh, and pro-life and all these things are, uh, they've been a hot topic lately. With everything that's going on in our country. And one of the reasons and one of the arguments is that uh, people who, who are fighting against this idea is that, uh, is that there's a group of people who only care about a minutia of this whole thing. That, that we only care about uh, saving unborn children, and then once they're born, that we, we, we really just kind of cast them aside, that we have nothing to do with them. We, it, it's like they're on their own, and, and that's simply not true. Here at White Oak, we support ministries that walk through this process with unexpected mothers, unexpected families from beginning to end. We're talking about care for once children are born, and so a couple months ago, White Oak had an opportunity to kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we were donating money to go towards two different ministries, Life Forward and Oxford Women's Care, and uh, White Oak, you were so generous in that time, and so... um, Our ministry partners at our Ross campus, Oxford Women's Care, was able just to put together a little thank you video. And uh, so we want to take a look at the uh, just the overwhelming uh, response that you were able to have as you were being generous, but also uh, just the the blessing that it has been to the ministry partners that we have. So take a look at this.
1: Never, ever in all the years that I worked for the center, has a boomerang been so big and so tremendous, and what so much needed. So we are transitioning, and a lot of things are happening, and uh, we're getting ready to uh, become medical later on this year. And I was just overwhelmed by what god does and i feel like god is putting us in a position where this needs to be done Uh, being with near miami university and having our own facility to be able to do that uh, it's just i think it's time i know it's time i'm hoping by the end of the year that we'll have an ultrasound machine in here Oxford Women's Care Center started in 1984 as the Pregnancy Crisis Center, and it has been around in this area for a long time, is that we deal with people who have an unplanned pregnancy. Uh, What we do is we come in, we educate the the mothers through our Bright Courses uh, Learn to Earn uh, program. When the babies are first born, they get a layette, they get a bathtub filled full of anything that they would need. But most of all, they get the support that comes uh, through the center, uh, through our volunteers and through our client service coordinators, the ability to say, "We knew know, if you need maternity clothes, we have maternity clothes. If you need a doctor, we, I can refer you to a good doctor in the area. Uh, I don't know if I can financially buy diapers or anything like that. Oh, well, that's not a problem. We have what you need and there's no cost. You can earn a new crib, you can earn a new car seat through our educational program. So God does do, he moves in Oxford Whitman's Care Center. She came in and she was just glowing. And she came over and hugged me right away. She goes, I haven't seen you in a long time. Cause she usually comes in when I'm not here. She goes, I have something to tell you. And I said, Stephanie, what is it? I thought, oh, no, she's not going to have another baby or, you know, whatever. She goes, no. She goes, I gave my heart to the Lord. I was baptized yesterday. We're doing the right thing. And I'm so excited about it.
0: I just want to thank you for the way that you partner with us in ministry and how generous a church that I get to be a part of. If you would like to give today, uh, you can do that through several different ways our boxes that are attached to the wall on the back, where you can drop your offering envelopes. You can also give online through our website. Uh, but again, uh, I don't have this number memorized, but I'm pretty sure that uh, between both of our campuses across uh, Oxford Women's Care and Life Forward, which is the ministry that here at Colerain that we support, there was over $6,000 that went towards uh, those ministries uh, over the last six weeks. So uh, thank you so much for your generosity. So Jesus talks specifically about this. You know, all of these answers that he gives, this feed my lambs, and then he comes back the second time and he says, feed my sheep. It's about caring for people. And uh, and so Jesus makes it clear that the call of ministry that he's putting onto Peter is that he's going to be caring for people and we want the exact same thing for you as we are uh venturing out in the ministry together it's about being in a group of men or women who who are sharing their struggles and are learning and maturing together It's partnering with a biblical framework and taking Jesus into our homes. It's recognizing that you're the primary faith influencer for your kids, if you're parents, and you're living in your homes. It's this idea that I'm going to be taking care of people, and this is exactly what Jesus calls. He says, if you love me, this is what I want you to do. Loving Jesus means following Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' call is to feed my sheep. And it's this idea that we're going to care for those that Jesus has put us in front of. That we're going to help in the maturing process. That we're going to, yes, we're going to care for their needs. We're going to care for uh, their spiritual growth. We're going to be involved in their lives. At the end of this conversation, Jesus closes by giving Peter a glimpse of what his future is going to look like. He says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you were older, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. It's not a great sales pitch, is it? Hey, let me tell you about what kind of sacrifice you're really going to make for the kingdom of God. You ready? Now follow me. But that's exactly what Peter does. Peter was all in from that moment on. He dealt with his past. He was reunited with Jesus. And he says, I'm all in on following. Let me ask you, what is it that you're willing to give up for the sake of following Jesus? What kind of sacrifices are you making to be a true follower of Jesus, I want you to put yourself in Peter's place. Jesus is asking every single one of us, saying, "Kevin, do you love me?" And what's my response going to be? Well, you know what, Jesus, I like you. I mean, I've got feelings for you, Jesus, but I don't know if I'm willing to make the kind of sacrifices. Maybe I want to take the easy road. Maybe I don't want to do the hard things. Jesus is calling us to follow him. And it's not an easy road. It's full of sacrifices. It's full of, it's full of putting God's mission in front of our own. And so the question is called out for every single one of us today. Jesus says, do you love me? Loving Jesus means following Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the example that Jesus sets. I thank you so much for the fact that he was willing to give up his life for each and every one of us. God, I'm thankful that even when we can't quite get there, we can't do that last 10% that Jesus meets us exactly where we are. God, help us to be true followers of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen.